Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you. Thanks for joining me today on a Brian Buffini show. I have a message that's just been on my mind, on my heart. I want to bring it to you. It's a short one, but it's a sweet one. You might be listening to this a few times, but it's entitled, Don't Go It Alone. The reason this is so pressing for me is that people have been asked to go it alone. In some cases for the past 15, 16 months, stay at home, self-isolate, social distance. And it leads to the illusion that we are just fine by ourselves, but nothing can be further from the truth. Isolation, loneliness, very, very, very prevalent in our society today. And it's a very dangerous thing. Again, governments and institutions have had to do what they thought was best. Whatever you agree with or don't agree with, doesn't matter. It is what it is. And that's what life's all about, being resilient and just getting on with it. Well, in this case, there's some trailing effects of what's taken place societally. You know, if you think about it, in the American judicial system, some states have the death penalty, which would be the most severe punishment they can place on someone who's committed very serious crimes. After that, the next worst punishment that you can receive is to be put in solitary confinement, is to be put in a place where you're just by yourself. Now, what's interesting is I'm in a business called technically the self-help business. There is nothing worse than that phrase, self-help. The fact of the matter is, we use phrases like self-made millionaire. Well, I am not a self-made millionaire because the arrogance and ignorance that goes behind that statement. I am a product of so many people who've helped me out, so many mentors, so many influences, so many examples, coaches, consultants, books I've read, classes I attended, seminars I took. I'm not a self-made man. My wife and I, we've raised six kids pretty successfully. A lot of people come to us and just admire our family and say, you've done this, oh my gosh, your kids, and you're 30 years married, and your guys are still crazy about each other and all this type of stuff. Again, it's not a self-made marriage. It's a self-made family. We met people who were great examples. We saw people who went before us. We saw people who blazed a trail, and then we followed in their example. We found out, what did you do? How did you do it? So to turn around and then thump my chest and say, I did that, would be the ultimate arrogance. That's why in my presentations, I'm always quoting the books, the authors, the mentors who've helped me get where I am today. One of the reasons I'm so outspoken about my faith is because my faith and my relationship with God has helped me become who I am today. And to ignore that, it's kind of like in football, where 11 guys are working together, there's 15 coaches, all this stuff going on. Bang, the play is called, blocking, tackling, this and any other. And then the guy ends up in the end zone, slams the ball and thumps his chest like it's all about him. And that's how we live our lives. When anything good happens, we take all this credit for it. Well, the problem is we have learned to become self-reliant. We've learned to become self-focused. We've learned to become self-absorbed. And I'm just going to challenge you today not to go it alone, not to go it alone. And I want to walk you through it. I have three points as always. The first is, why do we go it alone? Why, if human beings were designed to be in relationship, in fellowship, in connection with one another, 
Why is it that we're predisposed to go it alone? Next, we're going to talk about why is it so hard to ask for help? And then I'm going to get into the payoff. I'm going to get into the payoff and what it looks like when you don't go it alone and what can happen for you today. So let's talk about it. Why do we go it alone? Well, first and foremost, self-reliance. Now, again, there's this balance, right? There's people who are waiting for everything to be done for them. That's no good. Victimhood has become a dynamic now in our culture that's actually a badge of honor. Now, the fact of the matter is self-reliance is a very valuable thing. However, there are many, many times in life as we encounter things throughout our life where we just don't know what to do or how to do it. And we weren't born with that information. A great example of this would be my self-reliant son, Adam. He is the bomb. He's a great guy, a great young man, very proud of Adam. And Adam is a guy that, you know, always enjoyed his own company. He's the master Lego builder. The store would tell us, hey, this kid's six years old. He can't be doing this stuff. This is 10,000 pieces. This is the Death Star. This is the Millennium Falcon. People who work at Legoland can put these things together. And he'd go off by himself and build something that was supposed to take 10 weeks and do it by himself in two weeks. So he enjoyed his own company. Very, very good at getting things done. And again, qualities you admire. Here's an example of where it lets you down. We get him in the pool. He's a little kid. And his phrase was, I'll do it myself, Daddy. I'll do it myself. So I'm there. Beverly's sitting in a chair. Got Adam in the pool with me. So I'm holding him up in the water. No, Daddy, let me go. I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. So, okay, here we go. So I let him go. And he sinks to the bottom. Glug, 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 glug. I reach down, pick him up. He's like, (laughs) catches his breath. He goes, I'll do it myself, Daddy. Okay, okay, you're on your own. I let him go. Glug, glug, glug. Now, about the third time this happens, I hear Beverly shrieking, Brian! I go, hey, he wants to do it himself. And again, you can tell our different parenting styles right there. It's good to have a self-determination. It's good to say, I'm responsible. However, when it's all on me, it all falls on me. Here's the thing. He didn't know how to swim. And it, was it wrong for him to get the help to learn how to swim? No. Do some people go, hey, the way to go is just chuck him in the deep end and they'll figure it out? Sure. But you know what? You get no prizes for doing that. And what's happened for myself as a person who defaults to self-reliance is I've learned how to do things but not do things well. So I learned how to swim like that, jumping in the deep end. But as a 53-year-old man, I still swim like someone who's self-taught. We used to play tennis. Me and my buddies, we used to jump over the fence at St. Mary's Convent. That's right. We used to break into a convent to play tennis, the sins of the past. And here's the thing. I never took a lesson, never learned how to do it right, and I became very proficient at a little funky way of playing tennis because I learned how to get to a certain level but not good enough because self-reliance always runs out of runway. Oscar Wilde said, the great Irish author, confidence is good, but overconfidence always sinks the ship. Adam almost sunk his ship as a little boy. The next reason we go it alone, okay, deep breath, big boy, big girl, pants on right here, pride. You know, just some great quotes on pride. Pride will cost you everything but leave you with nothing. In the scriptures, it says pride comes before the fall. Pride will always be the longest distance between two people. Pride erects a kingdom of its own and acts as sovereign in it. Let me say this. Pride is one of my favorite U2 songs. It's called In the Name of Love. I love listening to that. It's probably a tune I I drive to in the office when I'm trying to get fired to come into the studio or record a program or get ready to go on stage. 
But I would say to you that my own pride has been one of the reasons that I've gone it alone many times. I just want to share with you, there are no prizes. Oh, I did it all by myself, but it took seven years. There is no extra prize. Oh, I became a millionaire, but it took me 20 years and two marriages, as opposed to I became a millionaire and I did it in half the time and my bride and family got to come on the journey with me. There are no extra prizes for pride. There isn't. Because the only person who gets to revel in pride is the individual. Because it's one of the most off-putting qualities we can have. Because the manifestation, the communication of pride is to boast. I'm this, I'm that, I did this myself. Congratulations. Nobody's interested. The third and probably the most common reason why we go it alone is embarrassment. You know, at Buffini Company, we've been coaching people for 25 years. Our mission is to impact and improve the lives of people. And over the course of those years, we've compiled so many examples, thousands and thousands of stories. Many of you listening, your life was transformed by a coach in this system that we teach for your business. So we've compiled these stories we call good life stories. We share these stories to inspire other people. It's fascinating to me. We've done over 50 of these, just a story they've had of overcoming challenges, setbacks, difficulties. We put them on our website. Go to buffinicompany.com. Look at some of these stories. They are inspiring stories, and there's hundreds more where that came from. What's interesting now is 25 years in, there are people who watched those inspiring stories who then produced their own inspiring story, and now their video's on the front page of the website, and I have many examples of that. Do you know this, that every single person, when we go to tell their story of what they triumphed over, the setbacks, whether it was financial, whether it was family, whether they had a medical crisis, wherever they were coming from, they're always embarrassed by the best part of the story. That's why we're very, very careful and very gracious when we go to tell these stories. Hey, 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 no, no, just so you know, we're going to do this. We're going to honor you and respect you. But the thing that people find most inspiring is the thing that we are all individually embarrassed about the most. The part of my stories that I share that inspire other people, truthfully, are things that are hard for me to swallow myself. We get embarrassed. And I'll give you an example. This is where ultimately that embarrassment can be a good thing because it can actually force you to go get help. Uh, Recently, I've mentioned this on a couple of podcasts. You know, I fired back up. I was a good golfer as a kid, had a course record when I was 16 years old back in Ireland, used to play a lot, had aspirations and dreams of maybe even making a living at it one day came to the States, motorcycle accident, all that stuff got into real estate. And I'd putz around and play a bit of golf here and there. But once the baby started arriving, boy, golf went on the back burner. So finally, you know, all the kids are out of the house now. It's an empty nest. And I've always loved golf. I'm like, okay, I got a little bit of space in my calendar. You know, it's time to get back in. I joined this men's group on Saturday morning, bunch of, I mean, crazy characters. It's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest and I fit right in. They don't know me as Brian Buffini, the guy with the big business or the big following or anything like that. I'm just another schmuck who's up there on Saturday morning. And I go up there and now we're playing competition golf and you're putting it out and you're keeping score and you're not improving your lie and you're not grabbing another ball out of your pocket and taking a mulligan, as they say. So now it's, it's more serious golf. And I have just been shocked at how bad I am. Just shocked and embarrassed, actually embarrassed. So embarrassed that I did something I should have done some time ago, which is I went and got lessons. That's right. I got embarrassed enough to get a coach. I hate to tell you that as the head of the largest business coaching company in America, that I had to be embarrassed to go and get a coach. But that's the truth. I went and found this coach down at Lacoste. His name's AJ, and he's this stud, and he's great. And he's helped me. And he just said something that was like a bolt of lightning. And I said, okay, that's going to make it into a program. He said, Brian, 
you know, you're a very smart guy. He said, I can see you have the foundation of a great golf swing. He said, Brian, you can't see your own swing. He said, there's things you're doing that you can't see that if you were looking at on a TV, and then he showed me on a TV and he said, just analyze your own swing here. And I went, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. How in the world am I hitting the ball at all? I'm pointing one way and clubs pointing another. You can't see your own swing. I'm going to say that to everyone here today. You can't see your own swing. If you're in business, make sure you have someone helping out. I work out four days a week with Rico, our personal coach. And you know what? That gym equipment's been sitting there. I bought the house six years ago, bought the equipment. But that equipment's really gotten a workout since Rico showed up. I kind of know what to do. But because Rico's there, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday morning, 6 a.m. And Rico works out with Beverly. Beverly's an Olympic athlete. Beverly knows more about working out than Rico does, to be honest with you. But you know what? Beverly works out because her coach is coming. We all need help. We all need help. Don't go it alone. Everyone hates being humiliated, yet karaoke still exists. What a great, what a great line that is. When you're so embarrassed to ask for help, there's a knock at your door saying you're insecure. That was Jocko Wilnick, who we've had on the show. Carl Jung said shame is a soul-eating emotion. Sometimes that embarrassment is not just, hey, I'm playing golf. Sometimes that embarrassment is, I've really messed up. I've made some poor decisions. It's okay. I need help. I need help. The shortest prayer in the Bible was Peter. He stepped out of the boat. Jesus said, step out of the boat. He did. He was a brave dude. He did what most of us wouldn't do. But when he starts to sink, he shouts out, help. Shortest prayer in the Bible, answered right away. Very, very powerful. I need help. Three very powerful words. It takes a tremendous amount of security in yourself to say, I need help. And it doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. Why do we go it alone? We've got that self-reliance, the pride and embarrassment. So let's not do that stuff anymore. Now let's talk about why is it so hard to ask for help? The first thing is, is it a sign of weakness? One of the dynamics of coming to the States and being here and being all over the U.S. and Canada, you see that ruggedness to people, kind of like if you ask for help, that it's a sign of weakness. And that's really not the case. Brene Brown, brilliant psychologist and author, speaker, says, if you can't ask for help without self-judgment, you cannot offer help without judging others. Ooh, that's a tough one. That one burns. If you can't ask for help without self-judgment, well, later on, you won't be able to offer help without judging others. Very powerful. My friend Les Brown, he's been on the podcast. Ask for help not because you're weak, but because you want to remain strong. And then a great proverb said, he who's afraid to ask is ashamed of learning. And I just say this, we're at our best as human beings when we're growing. We're either growing or dying. Asking for help is ultimately, I want to learn. Here's the second reason we don't ask for help, and this is going to hit home for a lot of people. It's because I don't value myself enough. I would say this, 25 years being on the road, traveling around, people would come up, they'd hear all these stories at Buffini Company events. You know, we'd have thousands of people. And we used to have this free flow of questions at the end of our events, and the mics would run, and we'd have a staff of people running around, handing the mics, and people would stand up and ask a question. It was awesome. A lot of times when people would ask a question, they'd also say, by the way, Brian, just want to tell everybody, I've been in your program 10 years, and I was on the verge of bankruptcy, and da-da-da-da, and here's how my life changed. This would happen all the time. If someone would sit in our event, we wouldn't ask for these people to do this. This is just a spontaneous thing, and it happened for years and years and years and years. So someone sitting in the room would go, oh my gosh, there's like hundreds of people in here who've had their life changed, been in this coaching, this has worked. The coaches are actually there at the event. They meet the coach. They have the conversation. But the most asked question was, 
what's the failure rate? And when you really dug behind that, the question wasn't what the failure rate is, is, oh my gosh, I see how all these people have succeeded. Will I be one of the ones who doesn't? And it was always a question of not valuing themselves, being afraid, a little bit of fear of success, but ultimately, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Brian Tracy, again, been on our podcast, says, fear and self-doubt have always been the greatest enemy of human potential. We have fear and we have self-doubt, and that's why we don't think we're valuable enough to get help. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a guy who serves, and I've served my whole life, and I'm used to putting people before me all the time. To be honest with you, I enjoy it. I'm a generous person. I enjoy giving. I enjoy helping. I enjoy serving. I'll be candid with you. If you were to ask me the key to marriage is I've served my wife for 30 years. The reason our marriage has been so successful is she served me, and we try to outdo one another. We've put our lives to serve our kids. After that, we've put our lives to serve our staff. And you might think, well, wouldn't your customers come next? No, the staff comes next. Why? Because when I take care of my staff, then as I serve them in direct proportion to how I serve my staff is how they serve the customer. So I've spent my whole life in service to others. And it's hard for me to do things for myself. Lately, I've been making a better commitment to this, to take care of myself. I find out that I actually have more capacity to help, more capacity to serve. There's more zip on the fastball. The preparation for the events, the presentations, the training programs, the podcasts are richer and fuller because I'm starting to value myself a little more highly. And because of that, I'm doing the things that you should do when you value yourself. A couple of quotes here, another anonymous one. Whenever you find yourself doubting how far you can go, just remember how far you have come. Remember everything you have faced and all the battles you have won and all the fears you have overcome. Another way of putting that, you've heard me say it before, is I've done it before, I can do it again. Nikki Banas, great author, says, the only one who gets to decide your worth is you. It doesn't come from your bank account or the number of friends you have. It doesn't come from what someone else says you're worth. It's called self-worth for a reason. It comes from you. It comes from being yourself and being proud of who you are. It comes from being someone that you can count on and someone you can love. The numbers will change with time, but what won't change is who you are deep inside. Beautiful, limitless, wonderful, creative, strong, capable, and that is where your worth comes from. Powerful stuff. And then again, what if I get the help and fail? You know, what if there's no more excuses and it's just me? Sometimes putting yourself in a spot where you got no excuses is a pretty good thing. One of my all-time favorite movies, I know I often mention Shawshank, but growing up, my favorite movie was Cool Hand Luke. There's a, a line in that movie when he's playing a game of cards. He's bluffing. He has nothing. He wins this game of cards, and he goes, you know, sometimes having nothing is a pretty cool hand. Sometimes putting yourself in a position where you got nowhere else to go but win is a pretty cool hand. William Shakespeare said it a long time ago. He said, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. Teddy Roosevelt said, it is hard to fail but it is worse never to have tried to succeed. Wayne Dyer said, fear of failure becomes fear of success for those who never try anything new. So we talked about why we go it alone. We've talked about self-reliance and pride and embarrassment. We've talked about why is it so hard to ask for help? Is it a sign of weakness? Do I value myself enough? And what if I get the help and fail? And now I want to really kind of round this time off together with you today. Let's talk about the payoff. Let's talk about what happens when you finally eliminate the pride. Either forget the embarrassment or use it to drive you to go get the help. 
but finally just say, I need help and go get it. Well, let me share with you. Here's the first major payoff. Your problems are cut in half and your joys are multiplied. Great proverb says, shared joy is a double joy. Shared sorrow is half a sorrow. You know, we had good news here at the Buffini family the other day. Anna was selected to the Olympic trials. So this has been a lifelong dream of hers as a little girl. It's actually four years ahead of schedule. We didn't think she had the horse to get her there, but her and the horse have done a great job. They've had a phenomenal season down in Wellington in Florida. They've been invited to the Olympic trials. So phenomenal, phenomenal accomplishment for her. And it's just been a joy to see her work so hard. It's interesting watching that and watching all the dynamics of all the different people. I've seen some people who have cut off everyone in their life, cut off their trainers, cut off their coaches, have millions and millions of dollars invested in horses, work at it very hard, and they are all alone and self-reliant. And you know what I find? Is that they have no one to share the joy with. They have nowhere to share the victory with. They also, when they encounter a problem, it's all on them. And I just feel so bad. I like want to shake some of these folks because they've gotten so focused on the fact that this is a solitary sport. But let me tell you this, my daughter figured it out. Yeah, it's you and the horse, but it takes an entire team to make this whole thing go. You know, that's what golfers have finally figured out. It takes a whole team. It's not just me and a golf ball. Tennis players, the top tennis players have figured it out. Okay, it's the most individualistic sport in the world, but those who are really doing well, they've figured it out because their problems are cut in half. But when you win, your joys are multiplied. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. And it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. If you're by yourself, I don't want you to be on the downer program. Listen to this. I just want you to know there's plenty of people out there. There's community of people. There's relationships. There's friendship. We form this with our coaching program. The coach is there to help. The community is there to help. There's like-minded people just like you. And we're just one source of that. There's many sources for that in churches, in clubs. There's many places where you can find that dynamic to connect. And that leads me to the next point, which is called the power of the mastermind. The power of the mastermind came from Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. And that book is so different than anything that's written today. In today's world, somebody's on The Apprentice on Tuesday and their book comes out on Thursday. So many books are just milk toasty stuff. One of the reasons for it is that it's a lot easier to write a book today. You can use voice recordings. You can get things automatically translated, just even word processing. You know, using a typewriter, that was hard. Imagine this. Napoleon Hill, through his mentor, Mr. Carnegie, introduced him to the 500 most successful people on earth. It took 25 years of his life to write the book. He interviewed 500 hugely successful people. He also, what most people don't realize, interviewed far more thousands and thousands of people who'd failed. So he got to analyze why people failed. He got to analyze the patterns in why people succeeded. And then he wrote a book that has become the cornerstone of the personal growth and development movement for over 100 years called Think and Grow Rich. There's 13 principles in that book. One of the 13 principles is the power of the mastermind. Hill says, the mastermind principle is where two or more people actively engaged in the pursuit of a definite purpose with a positive mental attitude constitute an unbeatable force. Phenomenal. That's the man himself, the power of the mastermind. If you take your two index fingers right now, 
One and one when masterminded together don't equal two, they equal 11. The sum of the parts are far greater. Human beings do better together. And I'm going to say this, synergy is more powerful than money. Let's say I have a dollar and you have a dollar and we get together. Now we have two bucks between us. Or I give you my dollar, you give me your dollar. Now we walk away one buck each. But if I have an idea and you have an idea and we synergize together, we each walk away with two ideas. It's a multiplication. And if you really want to grow exponentially, if you want to succeed exponentially, you want to grow your bank account, you want to improve your health, you want to improve your relationships, you want to improve your mental attitude and state, the way you do it is not doing it alone. You mastermind. C.S. Lewis said, the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. Read about C.S. Lewis and how he connected with people like Tolkien and some of the greatest writers of their time. And they met every week for decades and found a community, a brainstorm, a mastermind group. Richard Branson said two heads are definitely better than one. And by brainstorming as a team and sourcing ideas from each other, you have a better chance of coming up with a strategy that will allow your business to overcome a setback or a challenge. The phrase I use at Buffini Company all the time is that none of us are as smart as all of us. And I have to remind my team all the time because my name's on the building. And so sometimes my idea carries too much weight. So I'm constantly challenging my team. None of us is as smart as all of us. The third payoff is you get to pass it on. You get to pass it on. You go through this process. You take on coaching. You take on training. You take on mentorship. You take on instruction. You connect with masterminding. You connect with other people. You get connected to a community. Go pursue a definite major purpose with others. Guess what? You will learn so much that you can now be the mentor and the influencer to someone else who might be trying to go it alone. Aesop said, no act of kindness, however small, is ever wasted. Sometimes you can't pay it back, so you have to pay it forward, said Randy Posh. Denzel Washington, my man, at the end of the day, it's not about what you have or even what you've accomplished. It's about who you've lifted up, who you've made better. It's about what you've given. Come on, not just a great actor. So we challenge you today to not go it alone. We covered why we do go alone. We covered why it's so hard to ask for help and ultimately that great payoff where your problems are cut in half, your joys are multiplied, the power of the mastermind, and you get to pass it on. I've had coaches, I've had teachers, many people. I listened to their tapes and cassettes long before there were podcasts. I read their books. I went to seminars. Many of these people I got to become great friends with because I grew myself listening to their stuff and then became one of their peers. What a fantastic, fantastic experience. I want to encourage you to go do one thing following this podcast. I want you to go to YouTube and put in the name Wintley Phipps, W-I-N-T-L-E-Y Phipps, P-H-I-P-P-S. Go to YouTube and look up Wintley Phipps, You'll Never Walk Alone. There's one particular one that has, I think, 439,000 views, and that was Wintley Phipps singing at our Mastermind Summit. And I've had Wintley come many, many times. But this is one of the most powerful songs in my life. It was an anthem I heard because it was sang at a stadium called Anfield, cheering for a team called Liverpool. And one of the most amazing things in Premier League soccer is that fans know songs, and they sing throughout a 90-minute match, song after song after song. My good friend Joe Nigo, his son, went to a Division I game, a Premier League game in England, and said he could never watch sports the same way again. Here's the song I grew up hearing, and then here's the song I actually asked Wintley Phipps to sing to our members, and it's called You'll Never Walk Alone. And the song goes like this, when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high, 
and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark. Walk on through the wind, walk on through the rain. Though your dreams be tossed and blown, walk on, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. Walk on, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone. It's also why I always finish our podcast with a little Irish blessing. Because at the end of the day, if you ever pay attention to that Irish blessing, you'll find out that you're never walking alone because God has you in the hollow of his hand. I hope you enjoyed our time together today. I hope this really encouraged you. It fired me up talking to you about it. This was just something on my heart. I hope you don't go it alone. If you're in business and you need a coach, call Buffini Company. We're here to help. But there's friends, there's coaches, there's teachers, there's this podcast, there's this community. Reach out, connect, don't go it alone. And as you get the help and you grow and succeed, you in turn will get to help somebody else. Well, somebody who's helped me for a long, long time and made sure that I was never walking alone is my mom, Therese Buffini. And she's going to leave you today with this little Irish blessing. But maybe you'll hear it today in a different way than you ever did before. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.